It is Wednesday, July 10th, 2019. My name's Anthony, and I'm here with Michael, and this is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches the focus, but tangents are often the reality. Let's get into it. Hello, hello. Good morning, everyone. And typically, Mikey would chime in at this point, but Mikey's actually going to be producer Mikey today because we have a really special show for you guys. We have Wes and Cullen uh, from Notice Watches here with us all the way out from LA. They grace us with their pre- presence coming all the way uh, you know, across the country, uh, and we couldn't be happier or more excited to see them, especially because you guys know if you're listening that, uh, that I personally own a Notice Watch, and uh, I couldn't be happier with the product. We'll get into that. But welcome to Toronto, guys. So happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, well, let's start. Uh, you guys, you're not new to Toronto. You've been here a few times, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, so our very first notice tour, um, which is what we're on right now, is um, we did it last year, like on the weekend of, of Canada Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it turned out really well, so that's why we decided to make it at least an annual thing, hopefully biannual. Just, and literally what it is is we just fly to a different part of the world or country, mm-hmm. get in a car with a bunch of watches and drive. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I think that's a great way to, to reach out to your customer base and like, you know, get a feel for the people that are wearing your watches and, yep. and you know, made the uh, the move to invest in you guys and, and what you do. Uh, and I don't want to talk too much, but I think it'd be pretty cool to share you guys share with you guys a story about how I came across my Contrail sure. 39. Um, I wanted something Explorer-esque, right? Like I wanted a, a very uh, minimalist uh, but sporty tool watch. And I came across a vintage Seiko Alpinist that I lost out to on Kijiji. And weirdly enough, I met the guy at Red Bar who bought that watch, who <laughs> outbidded me. Uh, so it was pretty, pretty weird. Oh, yeah. And I had been watching you guys for a while. Uh, I think I saw uh, one of the, one of the, our local Toronto guys post about you. Uh, and I was immediately interested, but at that point, I think I couldn't get the color I wanted, the white sand or Laguna sand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that one had sold out uh, at that point. So I sort of said, okay, I'll, I'll wait on it. But eventually, I started to fall in love with the black dial probably because I was so interested in that, in that vintage Alpinist. Um, and yeah, that's when I reached out to you guys and I got to say customer service is like totally <laughs> on point. Uh, it's a different feel than I've gotten from most, uh, brands that I've reached out to. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't be happier. I think like the, the design, the aesthetic of the watch is great. The feel is great. Build quality is obviously there. Um, so I, I guess like as a fan of the brand, as an, you know, an enthusiast who really appreciates what you guys have done, how did that uh how did you come to a product like this like share a little bit uh with us about like your what led you to this end result this product and not just specifically the contrail 39 but your current lineup sure well thank you for the kind words we're uh you know it it really makes our day when um when our our fans or customers or friends yeah it's kind of weird calling them uh customers because that's kind of why we do this we want to come out and get to know them as (laughs) more than just a number on an invoice for sure Um, (laughs) But yeah, so so thank you for um for supporting us, and we're glad that you love the watch. Awesome. Um, so our design ethos it usually starts with function. Um, we want to make sure all of our watches have some kind of purpose and utility to it. Um, with the thirty nine, was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a very functional watch. You can still take it into the water and beat the hell out of it. But we wanted it to be a little bit more flexible in terms of how you can dress it up and. You know, just have a little bit more of an elegant, clean look, which is why there, it had the fixed bezel instead of the um, the rotating bezel that I think a lot of people know us for now. You know, mm-hmm. like our sport dive watch style. 
And on that note, yep. the, fir- the what I what I liked first was the uh, Laguna Sand. Am I saying it right? Yep. Laguna Sand. Yep. Yeah. With the twelve hour bezel, that yeah. was the one that I drew to first. And it wasn't until I started looking for that minimalist sport watch design that I came across this like mm-hmm. brushed bezel and something that didn't come out in photos. And the GoPro won't really, really be able to pick it up. But I love the difference in brushing on that mm. bezel compared to the case. And it's just something that like this morning when we were just waiting outside. In the, the way the light catches it, it's super cool. Mm-hmm. And it's functional because yeah. a high polished bezel like on the Explorer 1 will get destroyed yeah. within mm-hmm. like, you know, a few weeks of wear, of daily wear. Mm-hmm. So I, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the 12-hour bezel is definitely a stunner. And uh, I'm, did you guys bring one of the 12-hour yeah, bezels? Yeah, we or? brought a few things actually. Oh, that's going to be um, cool. Yeah, so this is our mothership. Yeah, that yeah. is a is a lot. Yeah, so this Good. is the same one that you have, but with the twelve hour bezel. Oh, that's awesome. And then, are you cool that if we put them on the table, it's uh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah oh, that's, that's fine. Yeah, these are all demo pieces, so they're meant to be banged up. Oh wow. And this I, is sort of like the younger brother, um, exact same thing, but new dial and then a one piece stainless steel bezel. Okay, this yeah. is the one you guys just recently released, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, very cool. I got to say, though, I still love the Contrail, uh, the original mm-hmm. one that, that I first, because I just love the, the that is that a ceramic on the bezel or sapphire. just sapphire yeah. on the bezel? Oh, very cool. And I have to do this because I've been wondering <laughs> forever. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I just recently bought a, uh, a GMT from Zelos, another micro okay. brand. The and new one, uh, Horizon. Horizon, yeah. yeah I yeah. actually have it in here. Oh, cool. And I can show you guys the difference yeah. in bezel action. I've, I've handled a couple of Zellos mm-hmm. uh, through Red Bar, and the diver, the bezel action is fantastic. Yeah. But there's something about the 12-hour that is not what I was expecting. Okay. It's weird. Maybe that's just because of the way it's meant to be actuated. Here, I'll show you. And it's also bronze, so that could mean that it's just a little bit stickier. You'll see it's, like, very difficult to, to turn. And you really have to get a grip on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, I mean, the watch is superb. I yeah, think yeah. the sizing is great. Yeah. yeah. It's just classically proportioned. And yeah. I like wearing a smaller watch. That's what drew me to the 39. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what drew me to the, uh, to that, uh, to the non rotating bezel. Yeah. But like as tall as that watch sits, it's perfect on the wrist. Like it, it for, if you have smaller wrists, Mikey tried mm-hmm. it on. It was a little bit <laughs> weird, but <laughs> But yeah, no, and then that's the Ming 1701, mm-hmm. uh, another watch that, uh, that was my first micro brand watch and, and a great one. It, it showed me that, you know, if you can find the right brand uh, and you can really uh, find something interesting, yeah, that's cool. then uh, then it pays off. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that watch. I, I don't wear it as much because I just had to polish the, the bezel because it was all scratched up. Yeah, that's what you're saying about polished bezels, yeah. just like getting dinged up. It yeah. depends on what kind of lifestyle. Like they yeah. built that for someone to wear daily, like a mm-hmm. casual uh, watch that you know has this this dressy aspect to it, but you can also dress down. Yeah. But unfortunately, like I, I work at a dealership, so okay. I, I'm I'm a service manager there. I'm running around all day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we have quartz countertops. Mm. You knock that, and it's yeah, it's game yeah. over. So, yeah. But uh, I just again knowing that you know you guys kind of represent to to me and Mikey what is great about micro brands. Um, and, and I wanted to show you maybe a couple of other pieces Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, that we feel, uh, we talk about like you and Ming Mm -hmm. the most, uh, no, or Zelos is new to us. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I was very happy with, uh, with the GMT and just micro brands on a whole uh, for us have been a great experience so far. Um, Well, one of my personal favorite things about micro brands, and this goes back to what you were saying about when, uh, when you bought this and talking about our customer service, 
we have brands like Zelos and, you know, all the other micros that have been around for a while. We have them to look up to mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and in many ways they've shown us the way, you know, they've sure. taught us how to do this the right way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Helios, Mark II, you know, these are, these are yeah. some of our favorite brands and we were enthusiasts before we were, uh, I guess, watch entrepreneurs, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. So we know what it's like to be on the receiving end of things because we were collectors and still are collectors. We, I mean, this time we just brought notice for obvious reasons, but yeah. you know, at home we have a bunch of other stuff too that some, some of them are from big brands, but the little ones are still really exciting for us. You yeah. Know? So I think there's also like this weird aspect of like when you're, when you're anticipating getting a, a micro brand watch and it's typically shipped to you, right? There's mm -hmm. no brick and mortar store. So there's this whole like charm about doing the research and like, yeah. and getting to know all these little things about the brand, the people behind it. Mm -hmm. It just, for a watch enthusiast, I feel like that gives you a lot. Uh, there's a lot more energy around that purchase yeah. than maybe something else. Yeah. Cause honestly, boutiques are nice and they're great. Um, but I think the minute that the money's down, it's kind of like, okay. Like you're still excited yeah. about the piece, but like now that there's no more relationship. Yeah. 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 They, you know, and, and Mikey has had a bit more boutique experience with me and they may remember you the next time mm -hmm. you walk in. But at the end of the day, I think it's fair to say, yeah, yeah, you're, you're a big wallet to them yeah. uh, in a lot of cases. And, and it's just a different feel mm -hmm. with a micro brand. Cause you're actually sharing with someone in their product and mm -hmm. you guys care a lot about it. Right. Uh, but, uh, you just said like you guys, uh, obviously brought no notices here, but what else does your, maybe your, your personal collections, uh, like what are, what are some highlighted pieces you, you guys might want to talk about? Well, my favorite pickup of the last year was, uh, the Mark II Crucible. I'm okay. not sure if you guys are familiar. Orange it's, dial? No, black no, dial. Black dial. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking something it was there. the A11 homage, um, has like quasi scroll lugs on it. He mm -hmm. unveiled it in, uh, November last year at wind up. Okay. Yeah, so it's sort of like the follow-up to the Hawkins, which was his, uh, I think that was his first ready to wear, right? Yeah. 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 And sorry, so, which, which brand is this again? Mark II. Mark II, okay. Yeah. I, is it on, have you posted about it on? Uh, on um, not notice? on the notice account. I think okay. I did on my personal one. Mm -hmm. um, I can show you a photo later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we'll definitely throw um, a photo up here yeah. on the podcast too. Yeah, yeah, so that was my favorite pickup of last year. But I also picked up a uh, Raven Trekker, blue dial, yellow, second hand, okay. um, and an EMG Nemo yellow dial yeah that yellow dial. That, that's yeah, the that, one that yeah. i saw yeah. yeah that really stood out to me and i was so happy to see you guys release the retrospect yeah in the yellow yeah. dial yeah. yeah my brother yeah oh yeah. oh my god that's yeah. awesome yeah i gotta see that like yeah i'm gonna I, i'm gonna toss them over to you so that i'm not getting all the watch love and you guys have the collab with barton yeah, yeah. man well, we're big fans of barton yeah yeah like, man, i mean who, who isn't? yeah who isn't their, right? their elite yeah. silicone so is just unbelievable yeah. Yeah, so on tour last year, in uh, after the Toronto one, we went to Texas. So this was right before Wind Up. We did a Texas tour, and in Austin is when we hooked up with them. And yeah, we saw their stuff. It was beautiful. And yeah. then yeah, just kept talking, and one thing led to another, and decided to get together for the retro too. Oh man, that. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I could have got one for my brother because uh, because <laughs> he ended up buying a Spinnaker because uh, he he liked the the vintage look. Mm -hmm. That's what he was looking yeah. for. Uh, like some sort of something that looked like a vintage diver, but without the crown guards. Right. Cause he, he just really likes that look. He bought the spinnaker, but it was far larger than he anticipated. Mm. And he's a tall guy, but he's got wrists like me. So okay. it sits like a bit of a tuna can on his yeah. wrist, but the proportions on this one are just, and, and the yellow dial is just gorgeous. Very, very cool. Um, and telling yourself any, any cool watches and, uh, I mean, I've had a ton in the past. Of, yeah. Like, like Wes said, we were enthusiasts before we started Notice. So like, I was a flipper. Mm -hmm. I I got so many watches, 
coming in, I got Sony watches going out. Yeah. So it was like a range from mostly micro brands at the time because that's what that's all I could afford yeah. as a college student. Um, but just to name a few, like earliest ones, including his. There's like obviously like Steinhardt and Squale. Yeah. Like when you start out, those are like the cool like sub homages to get for sure. And then I had oh man. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to rewind in my head. As I'm well. just trying to think about yeah. all the yeah. brands. Like by the time you go through like 20 or 30, you just forget. For, what you've I, had i think like the similarity 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 would be like for me if you guys ask me like what's the most fun car you've ever yeah driven? it's like exactly oh, god yeah. damn i have a million i can't yeah like, where do you start right yeah. yeah but uh that's cool i like what you said there about like being a college student because that's kind of where my admiration for for watches came from too mm-hmm. you're when you know you, when you're studying studying gets a little bit tiring so you kind of like fill the the empty space with hobbies and mm-hmm. and to become a watch enthusiast during that time, like for me, it was watches and motorcycles. I mm-hmm. would spend all day on Kijiji and all day on Auto Trader mm-hmm. and and researching products. I I bought my original grain for myself as a birthday mm-hmm. gift. That was a bit of a a misstep, but it got me into watches. Right, I ended up selling it because it didn't work as a watch. But uh, yeah. you know, it, again, it was something that got me into watches. It was a funky, quirky style, and uh, and I came out of it like battle hardened to get a value piece that would last me mm-hmm. for a very long time. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. So you, did you ever dabble in like the Japanese uh, affordables like Orient and Seiko or Orient? No. no. Although I do really like the, the Bambino mm-hmm. and I still to mm-hmm. this day call my buddies Orient Mako a Bambino because mm-hmm. I just love saying Bambino, yeah. but uh, we're of Italian heritage. So mm-hmm. for us, it's like, you know, just mm-hmm. funny, but um, that just means like child or baby. Or yeah. Baby. Like it's like yeah. a term of endearment really. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, my first, my first watch, like watch I bought myself uh, that I consider a proper watch still in my collection today is my SKX. It was mm-hmm. 007. Mm-hmm. I made sure I got the J model because my grandfather, after he passed away, um, he had about five watches and none of them were like, you know, of, of any clout to you. I guess you could say they were just, you know, he was an immigrant and didn't really put a lot of um, attention into material things, but he did have uh, a Seiko dress watch. Uh, it was quartz still runs to this day like perfectly mm-hmm. uh which i love about it but at the at the bottom of the dial um it has made in japan and then the little number and, and thing mm-hmm. and the skx 007j is the only one that says that at mm-hmm. the bottom yeah uh and, and the the other color as well says that but yeah. you have to get the j model so yeah. i ended up uh choosing that one specifically and i still have it mm-hmm. for me that's the best bezel action i've ever used i know people complain about it but it's so easy mm-hmm. when you're just day to day like the click is is i i still love it and I actually used it at work to time how long customers been waiting for me. Yeah. So like that that for yeah. me is that, uh, that was actually my first uh, automatic watch. Really? Yeah, the oh, SKX nice. 007 J. Yeah, there which you go. He actually got for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. So after I gave that, him the sickness. Yeah. Yeah, it was oh, just yeah, a down, downward yeah. spiral from there. One hundred percent. It's like, hard to. I'm the I'm the biggest Seiko nut. And like after the SKX, I just got into like every single other Seiko diver. That like. It, it's man with Seiko it's hard not to love them yeah. I mean you can find especially if you're like savvy you go online you can find crazy good deals mm-hmm. on like awesome awesome mm-hmm. watches watches that are the build quality far outweighs the the amount you know that the people because there, there is a bit of I think watch snobbery around Seiko yeah and and, and that's like even Tissot right when you have a brand that has so many models it, yeah. it, it kind of for for enthusiasts it may dilute their their interest but mm-hmm. uh, the reality is that there are 
great great uh models uh in that in that category yeah um so if the skx was your first what what is your favorite seiko then if you don't mind me asking like the the one mm-hmm. that you or even a grail seiko. my my first grail ever um was the seiko marine master the sbdx 001 so it's oh, got yeah. the 300 meter like mono monocoque case so the, mm-hmm. it loads them from the front from the top there's no oh, case okay. back oh wow um so i i finally attained it i got a used one um, back in 2016, mm-hmm. um, and it's been in my collection ever since, and it's my oldest watch in my collection. Like nothing wow. ha- will, like that is like the oldest watch, and will always be the oldest watch in my collection. I'll never let go of it. You'll never flip it. Uh, never. But, yeah. But then there's also like I had you know Seiko Tunas, um, the SLA 017, which is like the reissue, um, which is awesome. But mm-hmm. then the Marina Master took the cake still, so I had to flip that. I had a Grand Seiko at one point, the uh, the nine F quartz diver, oh. um, with a white dial, S- superb, but just too big for my wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I just go through a bunch, and then the ones that I really love, I obviously keep. For Marine sure. Master will never ever leave my collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's important to have like those staple pieces, and because that kind of brings you back and, and helps you kind of flush out the rest of your collection. Sometimes, like, what is it that I love so much about this watch? For me, the seventeen oh one is will, will never go anywhere despite the fact that they've been increasing in value. And that makes me feel good because yeah. it makes me feel like I made a wise financial decision and helps my girlfriend understand why I did it. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think I'd ever get rid of it because it's so original and so, yeah. you know, weird. And they l- apparently lost money making it. Don't, oh, don't, really? don't ever get rid of it. That, yeah. That's like yeah. one of the coolest watches ever. Yeah. yeah. Ever. I, 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 and yeah, I, I think uh, we follow everything they do. Yeah. Mike ended up picking up a 1703, mm-hmm. their GMT, uh, which he forgot to bring today, but it's okay. Um, they're based in Malaysia, right? Yeah, that, Singapore. Uh, Singapore. Sorry, yeah. Okay, Malaysia. Is that, yeah. Is that in yeah. Singapore? That's in uh, Malaysia. Malaysia. Okay. Yeah. Very close to Singapore. Oh, yeah. I see. Uh, but yeah, just uh, an incredible brand. Um, and uh, I I hope that like we actually reach out to them to come to Toronto. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will because yeah. it's like tons of money and <laughs> it's yeah. a fairly small uh thing. But I we think they have quite the following in Toronto. Yeah. Wait, between mm-hmm. Ming and you guys notice. I think they're like in our red bar community. Mm-hmm. They're like the micro brand that everyone draws is drawn yes. towards. Yeah, Ming and Notice. Yeah, they're the two watches that whenever I bring, I have to like disinfect when I when I come home because mm-hmm. they're just covered in uh, oh, in yeah. fingerprints yeah. and like people get sweaty at red no, bar. That's, <laughs> that's something that we should really do more often. Yeah, yeah. Like especially we, with like yeah, you guys all, probably yeah, yeah. in, in yeah. soap. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, there's hey, a lot of grime on that. But you know what? It means people like your like your watches and yeah. uh, and that they want to get a handle on them. Yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk a little bit more about, because we have, like, at least for us, it, it's a very, uh, it, it's a first for us to have someone in, like, people who are in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, now, w- over the course of, like, the last year since we really started looking at micro brands, you know, we, we've, or at least me personally, because I think I, I, I have, I'm pretty strongly opinionated on this. I I used to shit a lot on on brands like MVMT uh, mm-hmm. and, and watches because again, putting yourself in a in a buyer's position and you see people spending like three hundred dollars on on a watch that may not work in in two or three years yeah. because of the build quality, knowing that these are the watches like like the companies like Notice and Ming are out there for a bit more of a premium, I kind of like would would get angry mm-hmm. at the idea that they were out there. But more recently, I've started to understand that well, no. The same reason why I bought my original grain is the same reason why MVMT exists. Mm-hmm. And whatever gets people into wearing wristwatches 
you know, that is, that is always a blessing. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys feel about the current state of, of that, of that watch market, let's say under a thousand dollars and, and how does that impact the way that you guys maybe market your watches? You want to Sorry, if that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I we can to, start yeah. with like MVMT and Den and Wellington, um, and to an extent, Shinola. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have no ill feelings or negative feelings towards those because yeah. they they cater to a certain market, mm-hmm. and which usually isn't our market yeah. at all. And yeah, I, I see it similar to like the Apple Watch or smart watches in yeah. general, yes. right? It, yeah. it gets people used to having a thing on their wrist, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of the important part. And then when you get bit by that bug, which doesn't happen to everyone, yeah. but you know, sometimes you'll you know you'll have people that get into Apple watches or MVMT, and they're like, okay, I need to dress up a little bit. I should put something a little bit nicer on. That's true. That's when they take the plunge into you know affordables, which. Under a thousand affordable to non-watch enthusiasts sounds like a lot of money, yeah. but we know how expensive these things can get, right? Oh, 100%. And, yeah. yeah. I would say like the price range from 500 to a thousand dollars, you know, or actually even like 250, you can get like a really solid piece that is, it's going to last way longer than MVMT. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it serves its purpose, mm-hmm. you know, MVMT, it's not, it, it's a great brand. I can't say it's a great product, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it gets watches on people's wrists. So yeah. They, they have done, like, I and I'll agree with you there, I think that their marketing is just yeah. incredible. <laughs> and is, what yeah. they've been able to build in the last few years. Mm-hmm. When I was in university, the two watches I looked at were MVMT and Original Grain. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. some reason, I thought wood would be cooler. But yeah. Their success uh, story, they got bought out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. For a lot yeah, of money. $40 million, something like that. Plus yeah, another 40 on top. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that was if they stayed on and yeah. as like uh, consultants or something. Yeah, and yeah, and these guys are like twenty six, yeah. twenty seven. Like so you, you can't not respect that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like the hustles there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's a product of of this generation where we have the ability to source, uh, you know, as far as watches, cases, and things, you know, yeah. from from other areas in the world and put mm-hmm. together a specific product. Um, whether or not that is done tastefully mm-hmm. is up to the you know the person buying it and that's yeah. obviously a, a subjective thing yeah um yeah well for for a brand like ours that's you know not not the mvmt but not quite uh, not even really shinola we kind of serve the same purpose i think as shinola where we're that segue into the world of watches yeah um you know people a lot of time when you think watches like a nice watch the same brands always come up rolex omega but mm-hmm. all it takes is a few google searches and you'll find that there's an entire world out there mm-hmm. um and it's a lot easier to drop 400 500 bucks than you know on your first nice watch than just you know five to six thousand dollars yeah um so I, I guess that's sort of the purpose that our our type of brand serves where that segue into the world of watches mm-hmm. um which is is kind of funny that we're seeing like a lot of our new customers especially with the release of the contrail we've actually had more customers that were already seasoned collectors, no, not like new watch enthusiasts. These are guys that have the Rolexes and the Omegas and, you know, and we have them looking at us and like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Let, me, let me get one of those. And then it's like their fun watch at that point, yeah. right? Cause it's like not that expensive. It lasts a long time. Uh, and we're like right here, if it ever breaks and servicing, you just mm-hmm. send it over. Uh, well, I guess from here you have to send across a border, but yeah, you know, it's, it's like right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's an interesting point because I think that with with what you guys have established, like a lot of successful micro brands, is that you've captured the attention of of people. You say seasoned collectors, they've been around long enough to see, you know, to see past the hype. You know, I, I bought my first Omega. Mikey bought uh, his first Rolex, and, and and we rode that hype, and it was awesome. Um, but then, you know, you, you sort of want a little bit more. You want uh, a little bit more depth, and I think that that's what 
my, uh, we already sort of said this, but that's what micro brands mm-hmm. offer. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an awesome compliment. The mm-hmm. fact that someone is willing who who has these other watches says there's enough interest and a great price point for me to buy into uh, this this micro brand and yeah. experience what they have and leave you know the uh, I, I call them clout pieces and it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It it's just means that you know when you put on a Rolex or an Omega, the average person will perceive that and 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 that maybe justifies to people some of the reason to buy it yeah right because for the same money you could probably get a grand seiko and mm-hmm. if you can appreciate titanium and, and crazy craftsmanship and and everything there then you would buy that but there's a reason that people are drawn to those other brands and yeah yeah so again to to have those watches and and you know still feel a need and, and a desire that's something that uh i think it truly represents great uh Great design, great yeah. Uh, manufacturing. Yeah, at that point, you know that they're buying it for themselves. You mm-hmm. know, they're not buying it to wave it around and, and exactly. have everyone take a look at their wrist and mm-hmm. show off how rich you are. You know, when when you buy it for yourself and it makes you happy, that's when it makes us happy. You know, yeah. you're buying it for the right reasons now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What else have you guys brought us here? Because I keep looking yeah. at that huge box. And can we yeah. actually turn it to the GoPro so they sure. can see? We already have some on the table, but like... That's yeah, just so awesome. Is this is most these are just our three models um in the different colors. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a million watches, but it's just yeah. three really yeah. core models. Yeah. Um we have the Avalon. Yeah, which so is, I think this would be a good one to look yeah. at just because is, is this the one that um the Scottish guy? What's his name? Did oh you, uh um Just One More Watch. Yeah, yeah. Is this the same one that uh Yeah, he reviewed that. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm kinda like starstruck right now because yeah. I love that that Scottish guy. And if you're watching, I don't know your name because I keep forgetting it, but <laughs> Uh, just one more watch. Like I watch all of his videos. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's super entertaining. Uh, Mikey's laughing right now. Let me have this one. Uh, no, that's well, so. Cool. Well, the Avalon channels, um, the sort of Seiko energy that yeah. Colin just fell in love with that, like got him into watches. So that's sort of our flagship uh, halo model. Um, Bezel action is awesome. Yeah. So like design language is still very much our own, but it, I mean, I'm sure you can tell it, it pulls inspiration from a lot of legendary Seiko divers. The case design, yeah, especially yes. like super vintage with that really thin. What is the diameter there? Uh, Twenty between the lugs. Twenty. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. The case because is close to forty-four. Yeah. Wow. So it's the proportions don't work on paper, but in in real life, it it you can see why we chose twenty. Yeah. That that yeah. is gorgeous. Like that, because it it looks like a larger yeah. watch until you put it on your wrist. Yeah. That, that's really well done. The case uh, the case design is 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 really incredible there, and. The, it was vintage Seiko divers that was the uh, was the inspiration for it. It was like a bit of my the Marine Master that I own, mm-hmm. and then Seiko Sumo, Seiko Turtle. So it combines like all the elements of those and uh, into like what we think is like a good cushion case diver. I love uh, what you guys do with the case backs, uh, the mm-hmm. Contrail Thirty Nine. I love that uh, that image of the jets. The very yeah. American for yeah. me. <laughs> so I love that. But it's really cool. You have is this Excalibur? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, that that's cool. And what is that? How does that tie into the design language of the piece? Well, it's called the Avalon. Um, Mm -hmm. Avalon from is from Arthurian legend, Um, and you know, it's basically the the name of the island that King Arthur went to heal after all his battles. It's Mm -hmm. also where Excalibur was forged. Um, And off the coast of Southern California, there's an island or a city on an island called Avalon. Huh. I I honestly I love. I've never been to Los Angeles or even California, but I, I kind of love that you guys draw a lot of inspiration from that area because, okay, personally, I've watched Jay Leno's Garage since I was a kid, <laughs> and I think he's in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't, I've never been to Burbank, but I feel like I know Burbank just from watching him drive. Mm-hmm. It, it also seems a lot like the area that we grew up in, in the summer at least. You, when you watch, because there's a lot of industrial area, you, yeah. there's a huge car culture there. Uh, and, and so, like, knowing that, I, that I've that i bought into a brand from even just, you know, at Los Angeles in general, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, that just reminds me the, of that. Yeah. The Contrail Laguna Sand, actually, is we just drew inspiration from Laguna Beach. Oh, okay. Which is, yeah. you know, like a nice beach yeah. um, in Southern California. Um, yeah, we saw the LA. Yeah, we oh, okay. saw the the color of the sand, and we're like, wow. Oh, color of the dial, and then we're yeah. like, that could go on a yeah that's like it looks yeah. like sand yeah um, it, it yeah. works very well again yeah. it drew my attention like immediately yeah. um but uh what other uh contrail uh models do you have in there do you have a, the, a laguna sand model no unfortunately model? It, it uh sold out so we don't have yeah, it um, yeah much so, to much to my dismay so that's oh, the uh, infinity blue i tried to win this yeah. one so that one <laughs> and this one were the two new dials yeah yeah I think you guys were had like a promotion. I think you were raffling off one of these specifically. Or it no, was, was actually it was yeah. actually a uh, limited edition. Oh, There's okay. one one of two cirrus blue, so it's like a baby blue. Uh, that was never for sale. Yeah, yeah, it was never for sale. We just prototyped yeah. them oh. and then and we're ended like, up not making yeah. it, so we gave it away. As, I gotta uh, say, I, I love my Contro 39, yeah. but if this was available, I would have went with this one. <laughs> just because I'm a sucker for sunburst effect. Okay, on a yeah. dial like. Here, I'm going to hand you these two yeah. now because you guys know what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here. Mikey made an appearance on the <laughs> podcast for a second. Um, but I, I I, think that Sumber style is incredible. And for people watching on YouTube, we will post photos of these watches so you know why I'm smiling so much. <laughs> um, another aspect, and it's the first one people actually notice, hint, hint, when I show oh, them I your watches, yeah. is the bracelet. Mm-hmm. Uh we have we have a friend who like loves watches on bracelet. He 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 like he he's a bracelet enthusiast. We'll call it. Doesn't yeah. like uh, leather. And when he saw this, and I told him the price point, he was like blown away because this H link design. Like I I don't know where you guys drew inspiration from, but I have never seen a, a pattern like this as smooth as it is and as comfortable as it is at that price point. Yeah, I mean we we love H links just because of the comfort factor. Yeah, um, it's kind of in terms of design it's like neutral you know what i mean it's not mm-hmm. like beads of rice can be a little bit abrasive for some people mm-hmm. h-link was just in like a nice clean uh look that complemented our clean mm-hmm. like minimalist designs mm-hmm. and it's so, not an oyster and it's not an oyster yeah yes yeah i'm very happy about that i did buy a um strap code bracelet for the skx mm-hmm. this is like a total oyster a you super know. oyster one right yeah, yeah. and it's good like it, it is what it is but you know what i love more my brother had i bought my brother an alpinist uh last year for his birthday it was the green dial apple alpinist mm-hmm. and he ended up sourcing the angus uh strap jubilee. code yeah. jubilee that is the same color that's it's, a beast oh yeah it's on his wrist yeah. it's chunky but yeah. it looks so cool yeah. it beefs it up now it looks like a mountaineer's watch yeah. like you could base jump you know that my yeah. metaphors are a little bit like <laughs> out there, but, uh, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, do you have a, uh, a wish list? Like what, what's the next couple of watches that's on your, uh, your to collect list? So for me, uh, I had the pleasure of holding, uh, a Rolex Explorer one mm-hmm. at one of our red bars. Um, the 36, the, uh, what's the newest reference Two one four two one four two seven zero. This one I think was 38. If they make it, do they make it in 38? They make it in 36 and 39. Okay, so it was a 39. It was yeah. the larger one. Yeah. Um, and, and I fell in love with it because, mm-hmm. like, for me, my my perfect three-watch collection, 
and this is just very personal for, to me, it would be my Omega Seamaster 300. I have the black dial version, um, 300M, not the heritage mm-hmm. looking one. Uh, the Explorer one and Speedmaster Professional. Mm-hmm. You, we've had the debate Sapphire Sandwich or, or Hesalite. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. It really just goes off of whatever you feel that day, I find. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like the, the, there's no real, uh, they're, they're both advantageous in their own ways. But yeah. yeah, so for me, a Speedy and an Explorer one in the future yeah. would round out my my three watch like collection core, yeah. yeah and then everything else is fun yeah. like you know stuff yeah. that uh i just love talking to people about yeah before today i probably told people that you guys were coming on the podcast like six or seven times i've purposely <laughs> worn this watch every day this week just yeah. so i could like be like yeah the guys made this watch they're, they're coming on um but what about yeah. uh, yourselves like uh going forward speedy for sure but same yeah. as you it depends on the day and time mm-hmm. uh which one to go for yeah um gonna have to think a little bit more on the other i'll let you think it's kind of funny because like we're kind of going the opposite directions like you guys started out with like these really awesome pieces and then branching out to explore like micro smaller brands yeah for us we mostly started out with these small brands and like we're aspiring to get like a just like a speedy Mm -hmm. or like you know something along the lines of that for our like as like super like staples in our collection yeah for sure so um i know for i'm saving up for speedy oh yeah i I've been seeing them. I mean, they're at every single get together, of course. Yeah. And I think everyone, every watch collector has to have one or had had one yeah. in their collection because it's just such an iconic and great watch. Yeah. Um, that's definitely on my radar. Yeah. Do you guys uh, ever find that like the the NASA affiliation really makes you like that? For me, that's what drives that, and that mm-hmm. that would be the reason I would choose the Hesalite a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, a- especially watching that movie recently about uh, Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I was about to say Lance Armstrong for a second <laughs> about Neil Armstrong, and and watching Ryan Gosling like those guys were superheroes. Yeah. Like to strap yourselves to a rocket, and and being a car guy, yeah. you, you kind of already have an appreciation for engineering and yeah. and that kind of thing, but. To, to watch what they were able to do and to know that their their go-to tool the one that could never break because when everything else broke they had to do calculations using like a their you know yeah. i just mm-hmm. think that is so cool yeah uh and and that yeah. for me is why the hesalite might be the one mm-hmm. the only reason i wouldn't is because i remind myself that i live in like a modern society and if i smack it yeah. against something i don't want to be sitting there yeah. all night yeah yeah <laughs> But uh Yeah, it's definitely a cool story. I don't think I would buy it just because of that though. Yeah. Um I, I tend to lean towards the Hesalite as well actually, because I like the warmth of the, the crystal a little bit more. Yeah. But like you said, I, I would have to be a little bit careful when I wear it. Exactly. So, That's I, I really hope it looks not that bad. Come on. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah. too bad. No, um, they're they're they just buff they're, it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I bought Cullen knows I'm like I'm super rough with my watches. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna take this off before uh, <laughs> the Ming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no uh, way. I, I I got yeah. Poly Watch. I just yeah. go home and I spend my time there. Um, but the um, there I hope that uh, you'll you guys will have the chance to meet one of the guys at Red Bar who is like the biggest advocate. Red Bar Toronto, mm-hmm. biggest advocate for Hesalite. Mm-hmm. Like I, he loses his mind when uh, when when we talk about sapphire sandwich because yeah. he and he has a hesalite and he wears it all the time and he says yeah you just you know polish it and, yeah. and you can live with it and it's yeah. a perfectly fine uh fine usable watch yeah uh but the one thing he speaks about is the the warmth of the yep. of that dial yeah uh, and the way that it reflects it refracts refracts like yeah. also like a lot of people don't really care for a display back yeah yeah i feel like once you get over that like the fascination the initial fascination when it comes to like what a mechanical movement looks like yeah, you're, whatever, you're cool right? with the solid yeah. case back. Yeah, I mean, granted, the 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 movement is more decorated. It's, it looks nicer than the 
solid case back, but you can't see it in the solid case back anyways. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, I guess it's more of a purist um, choice to yeah. like go yeah. for the Hesalite with the solid case back because it's like no frills. Yeah. It's like not fancy in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just what it was when it was when it went up to the moon. And it's cheaper. And it's and exactly it's that, yeah. That definitely like, helps. Yeah. Does the does the Sapphire sandwich really justify the the thousand dollar difference? Yeah. I don't know how much. Plus, I mean, like all watches, uh, modern watches use sapphire now. You know, yeah. so like yeah, you know, if if I want a watch, I'm gonna go beat up. I'm gonna get a Pelagos. You know, exactly. which is I would say probably the other uh, number two on my list. Yeah, yeah I have one on uh, on loan from a friend, and uh, it's a two liner, the black two liner. Okay. okay. Oh man, I love that thing. Yeah. I was. I think that is probably one of the watches that's titanium best. Yeah. Uh, because yes. Yes. you just don't even. I'll be honest. I held my first snowflake. Sounds weird if people aren't uh, huge watch nerds, <laughs> but I held my first snowflake not too long ago, and while it was immediately impressive, I just don't have the appreciation for titanium mm-hmm. in sports watches. I can appreciate titanium here in a mm-hmm. dress watch. But in a sport watch, I just don't have that appreciation yet. I yeah. want that heft, uh, and I felt with with the with the Grand Seiko, it was like not enough heft, right? Mm. Um, a little bit too jiggly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Pelagos is like the size and, and it's everything. A brick. Is yeah. Perfect. So it needs to be titanium. Yeah. 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 It's thick. Yeah. And what about the bracelet? Um, oh, yeah. The buckle mechanism is yeah. so cool. Yeah. You know, like I I think the one thing about Tudor, um, at least in the last like five years or so. It's like Rolex's fun cousin. Like yeah. they're experimenting. They're they're you know maybe some of the stuff they're doing is chintzy, like mm-hmm. relying on Lady Gaga to sell yeah. watches and uh, David Beckham. But it, they're fun. Yeah. Like they're fun, fun watches. And I think if if the resale value was maybe a little bit better and um, there wasn't the whole stigma about being Rolex Junior, I think they yeah. would sell more and we'd see a lot more of them. Yeah. Um, I think they they got a lot of hate for using ETA movements. Yeah. And that's why they went in house, but. Like personally, I would still rather have the ETA version of the Black Bay, for example. Like the smile dial, it's thinner. I like that smiley face on the dial. Just like you don't like the essay of text. No, you don't like that. No, (laughs) no. Um, Speaking of uh, like brands like uh, like Tudor, so brands that occupy because I think uh, as watch enthusiasts, we kind of like have a pyramid in mind, Mm -hmm. right? Like you have the Holy Trinity, which I feel weird saying now because like I don't handle nearly enough Vacherons. Uh, APs or or Pateks to really say like the the tri- the holy trinity. I just know that they're expensive and yeah. whatever. Uh, but let me let me you guys tell me if you agree. The way that my mind sets that uh, that pyramid is yeah, you have the holy trinity up top, and then I go immediately down to brands like um, like uh, JLC uh, and and brands that you still have to pay a like a ten or more thousand dollar premium to get. Um, but you just don't see everywhere mm-hmm. below brands like that. I would put Rolex Omega, um, together and then, and then underneath, I think I'd put like tag, um, uh, Tudor, uh, Breitling. Mm-hmm. I kind of associate those with more sport. Yep. Yeah. And, and Seiko, I think has things at every level. So every it's, level. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of difficult. There. If you go one level deeper than that, I think you're talking like Zinn or, and yes. that's kind of that, that area of the market gets very interesting. Cause then you also have brands like Monta and Ferrer, yeah. Oak and Oscar all in the same price range. So I would say that would be the hardest price range to pick a watch in just because yeah. of how, how interesting it is right now. Two years ago, you would not find yeah. any of that. You know, oh, it's like yeah. Zinn or and honestly, Damasco, like, like once you hit the $2,000 mark, the quality differences, are not going to be that much more no. unless we're talking about movements. Yeah. Perceivable but quality. Perceivable yeah. quality. Yeah. Um, like after that, the returns are just so diminishing. Mm-hmm. 
So like the, really the sweet spot is 2000, 2000 and under for quality, I yeah. would say. Very true. I'm thinking back to like, you know, he, you, Mikey has an Oris Pro Pilot uh, Racing Edition, mm-hmm. yeah. Air Racing. Uh, and we were blown away by the initial quality. You had, like, I'll, I'll speak for him because he's not on mic, but yeah. uh, one of his favorite things about the watch is that when you turn the crown in, it always has the Oris logo mm-hmm. the right way mm-hmm. up. Like, that, little things like that are yeah. just, you know, they're cool. Yeah. Um, and actually, we had the pleasure of, uh, of being at uh, an event, a Red Bar event hosted by Oris. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, like, if I wanted a vintage-inspired diver, Diver 65s are so yeah. cool. Yeah. Like they're just made so well. Yeah, there's yeah. a reason why it's so popular. It's, yeah. it's such yeah. a great design. It's yeah. it's built well. And every time they do uh, some kind of LE, it's always like they they hit it right out of the. Yeah, park. they look yeah. good. It's they always look, beautiful. especially that red bar version. Yeah, oh, with yeah. The red that one is. Oh oof. Yeah, yeah. To get to get your hands on red's that, coming I mean, in, man. It is red yeah. is like the hot color. I saw Rado just release yeah. the Iron Horse. Why are you yeah. <laughs> in the air? Oh, okay. Yeah, red is hot, man. You have the Iron Man Ming. You have the red dial with the gold. Uh, it's titanium, but it's been uh, anodized, anodized mm-hmm. gold. So it's cool. Is yeah. it like a like a fume fume dial, or is it like, is it just a straight up red? Sunburst. Yeah, it's a it, oh, sunburst. dark yeah. burgundy. Yeah. It's a 1703 BB that they released. Yeah. It was like a okay. limited edition that they released at the end of its run. Mm-hmm. Should have been IR, but Iron Man. <laughs> Tony Stark is. Are you guys Marvel nuts at all? Or a little bit, yeah. yeah. I think it, it, with with like the way the MCU is right now, or it was because it's kind of done now, I guess, yeah. or like the, what they were building up to. Yeah. I think it's hard not to not to be a little bit of a of a Marvel nut. Yeah. Hopefully DC can can you know come up with some cool. I don't stuff have high too. hopes, but yeah. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the money is all uh, in Marvel. Yeah. But, um, a little bit of another tangent. Are you guys basketball fans at all? He is, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he forces me to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. the mm-hmm. hell? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, that's. Is that red? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great dial, man. Yeah. What was the uh, celebration like for you guys up here? So, well, me, me and Mikey <laughs> actually had the uh, the opportunity to not be a part of it mm-hmm. uh, because we were at a buddy's house. We watched it, and then a bunch of guys were going to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, like but, twenty minutes north of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we were we were. We both had work the next day, yeah. So we thought, well, I can't call in sick, uh, and he couldn't call in sick. So it's like, let's go home. But even on the way home, the entire yeah. city's honking their horns. Yeah, like you guys in LA, I think you've had enough championships in like the, at least the last yeah. twenty years. Toronto hasn't won a major like national championship yeah. Yeah. outside of soccer, CFL, and the CFL. <laughs> what, whatever. But like <laughs> we compete with America a lot, or the yeah. United States a lot, yeah. right? And typically Canadian teams, because there's so few of them especially well in in bat in baseball and basketball we typically don't win mm-hmm. so for us to win was huge yeah. like it boosted the city and man like Kawhi is just an incredible player yeah. I, I think that it was a team effort mm-hmm. uh toward the end of like the the series with um with golden state but to get us there mm-hmm. Kawhi was instrumental yeah and we're obviously sad to see him go but are you a Clippers or a Lakers fan? I'm about I'm one of twenty Clippers fans in the world. <laughs> yeah. So you, so a, you are so literally I, literally stole Kawhi. Yeah. <laughs> I got into basketball during the Lob City era. So like Lakers obviously sucked. Mm-hmm. And they will be here's a hot take. They're yeah. not gonna be as good as the Pelicans next year. Really? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Let's, Let's listen, listen to this. It's just funny because yeah. it's like everyone likes to shit on the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear it all the time because like I get shown all the time by Lakers fans because mm-hmm. I'm a Clippers fan. But, like, I got into basketball later than most people. Yeah. So my first game was a, was a Clippers game versus Spurs. And then I just fell in love with Clippers. And then yeah. that was, like, 2015. 
So ever yeah. since then, I've been a Clippers fan, and now it's like I, I have no idea what to expect. Like this is like so unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't expect him to come here, because like I don't think anyone did. People were totally counting the Clippers out of yeah. that uh, yeah. of that negotiation. I mean, the media says what they want to say, right? They yeah, don't want yeah. it to be the Clippers, but yeah. you know. It's it's exciting. Yeah, I am happy he didn't go to to the Lakers. Because oh yeah, I don't agree with the super team stuff. That's and whatever. That's but, not yeah. his personality. Yeah, he wants to destroy LeBron. He doesn't want to. Yeah, it's weird though. I heard. Be under his no, no, no. But one thing that the again the media really controls what what we know as far as uh, what they say. But I remember before he was signed to, to Toronto, right when right after um you know we had traded DeRozan for him, it was everyone was saying oh he wants to go to the lakers he wanted to play with lebron he wanted to stay you know in in his hometown and everything and 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 it gave us like this terrible image of of yeah. who Kawhi was mm-hmm. yeah. and he totally demolished that image by yeah. being humble and like quiet and modest he and, didn't uh, do anything and he just com- completely changed he just yeah. played basketball that's yeah, all he exactly. did and then everyone just loved him he also said ni hao very yeah. awkwardly <laughs> and of course but, the, the the laugh in the yeah. very beginning of the season <laughs> I don't know if you guys watch Game of Zones on YouTube Yeah, it's no. like oh my god when, yeah. when they had the episode because I always love the episodes where they talk about the Raptors and at the end of the episode it's where DeMar gets again for people who don't know Game of Zones is like a parody of Game of Thrones about the mm-hmm. NBA because if there's one sport that has drama throughout yeah. the entire season oh, yeah. it is the NBA you don't get that in anything else it's three, six, 365 days of just yeah. pure drama yeah. oh 100 it's, so it's, it's it's a, it's a reality tv show man yeah like it's not like a sport no it's not like anything else it's, out there it's hilarious yeah. Yeah. um but i just love how they did at the end of that of this episode right mm-hmm. when uh kyle lowry's on the ground like why'd you trade my friend and then you just see uh Kawhi as a white walker and you don't see his face you just see his feet and he goes uh, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's that laugh yeah <laughs> but no um yeah. Yeah, congratulations! You guys got him back, and and I, you know, he, you know, he's going to be an instrumental part to that team's success. I'm kind of yeah. pissed though, because like Clippers games are going to be so expensive now. Yeah, yeah. I could get like hundred section seats seats for like fifty bucks. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's how it was for the Raptors uh, for the last few years. Yeah, dude, they were cheap. Now the Jays are crazy cheap because I mean yeah. the Jays yeah. are sort of in a rebuild. And yeah. have you guys heard of the Toronto ticket prices? Uh, for what the like playoffs? In general. I mean, I'm sure it's really? insane now. I know that LA obviously has the worst traffic in the world mm-hmm. and all but and and Isn't Toronto worse now? Thank you. Yeah. It seems that way cuz yeah. you guys have okay, California itself has the population of Canada all, you mm-hmm. know, within one massive state. Yeah. yeah. But Toronto is a fairly densely populated, you know, part of of Ontario. Mm-hmm. And in the GTA, the traffic, we don't have infrastructure for this stuff. Like mm-hmm. maybe we'll segue into cars a little bit now, but like people in this area of the GTA, it's a little bit different down here. Everyone north of, we'll say Davenport, heading north toward like it's still considered Toronto. Everyone has a car. Every single person has their own car. Like you can be sixteen. Yeah. Now you have a car. And when you load, uh, you know, a, an old infrastructure like Toronto with all these cars, mm-hmm. it is ridiculous, man. Yeah. To get down here, we left around seven thirty this morning, and it really? still took us about an hour and twenty minutes to get down here. Is the ways. the subway doesn't go that far north? The, the subway only goes. Actually, just recently they brought it uh, to the Vaughn Metropolitan Center, mm-hmm. which is sort of like it's relatively far north for us. But Toronto's subway infrastructure is not like any other city in the world. I don't think. Like when I saw when I was watching Spider Man as a kid, and and uh, you know Tobey Maguire is fighting uh, Doc Ock mm-hmm. in the 
in the New York subway system, yeah. and it was multi-leveled. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? It's yeah. like a roller coaster. <laughs> Toronto is just one flat line. Yeah. And you have another flat line going one direction, another flat line. Mm-hmm. One like this and one like yeah. this. Yeah. Mm. That, that is, uh, there's only one area where they cross. Right. Yeah. Uh, or maybe there's two. Uh, but it is, you know, it is very, it is not built for the amount of people that want to live here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's something that we struggle with every day, but what it actually does, uh, and I think places with a lot of traffic like LA, like Toronto, it's going to spur, um, creative ideas to get around traffic. Mm-hmm. And personally, I think that that's going to come down to what the, what the next generation of personal transportation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, a, I know they're pretty big in, in Los Angeles cause obviously the weather it permits it there, but those uh, boosted boards. Mm-hmm. I think that's perfect. Like scooters, yeah, yeah. scooters, yeah. electronic bikes, yeah, things that are that, everywhere. You yeah. know, single person transportation don't take up a lot of space. They can move quickly. If there is an accident, you don't have all these bricks sitting on the road, mm-hmm. yeah. wasting resources. You know, people getting more frustrated. Quality of life diminishes with, yeah. with worse and worse traffic. So, that's something exciting. Yeah. I personally, I personally would love if everyone could get like a scooter, like uh, or a motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a big motorcycle guy, so I, I think that would solve yeah. a lot of problems. Um, you guys don't have any of those um, scooter things here in Toronto. They're called Bird. Bird, Bird yeah, yeah, yeah. or Lime. It wouldn't yeah. permit for like half the year, right? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, like weather in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, between I would say what May to October, you have a good. You have a good bearing on mm-hmm. how bad the weather is going to be. Usually, like days like today are beautiful, but then mm-hmm. we, you can get, you know. But it, in between those months, it, it could snow, slush, yeah. sleet, and we're salting all the time. Like yeah. it, it, it uh, it's definitely not great for if you're looking for like exposed transportation. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's why you kind of need uh, yeah. a larger vehicle, especially yeah. so you don't slip. But well, the interesting about those uh, scooters is that apparently so the these companies are not profitable at all yet really yeah and uh for them to reach profitability apparently the scooter has to have a lifespan of like nine weeks eight to nine weeks and they last on average three to four now so so they're yeah they're not designed for outdoors even in a place like la where you know everyone talks about the weather like it's it's great weather but it's still not good enough to Mm -hmm. to have these things last so they need to figure that out first I guess you have to imagine yeah. it's outside twenty four seven. Like it, yeah. they, they don't come inside. They're not in uh, climate controlled environments. Yeah, it's not just that. It's how people it's, handle it. Yeah, yeah you can't on, rely yeah. on people. On yeah. top of that, the homeless population is yeah, you know, it's going nuts in LA right now, really? and a lot of them, everywhere. Yeah. You know, it, it's just not good to have these free scooters out for uh, yeah. for anyone to use in in, in that context. You mm-hmm. know, oh for sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we have a bit of, uh, you know, a homeless situation here as well in Toronto. It, since I was a kid, I've seen, you know, it, it get worse and worse. And yeah. it, it, it's it's frustrating because when you see a city, like I'm sure you guys love L.A., you know, mm-hmm. like you clearly you, 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 you it let it influence your brand. And I think I, I can speak for Mikey here mm-hmm. and saying, like, you know, we love Toronto. We, we, we love the city, uh, the GTA in, in general, the greater Toronto area. It's tough when when you see these large scale uh, issues and yeah. it kind of diminishes the experience you have yeah. uh, down there. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully there's uh, technology, some sort of technology will be able to to help out. Yeah, um, I'm sure is one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about because mm-hmm. like you live in the mecca for Tesla, mm-hmm. right? Like that that's where I feel like I had a feeling I was going to go there. Yeah. yeah, do you feel like? A lot of people are, are jumping on the Tesla bandwagon now. Like, there's a lot more uh, we, going on. We aren't in the Bay Area. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, if you go to the Bay Area, there's more Teslas than, than Toyotas. Yeah. Wow. Um, Southern California still has a shit ton of Teslas. Yeah. I, I can, I can, yeah. I can swear, right? 
Okay. No. no. Okay. Get out. There's a shit ton of has yeah. so yeah. many Teslas. Um, what what's your opinion on them? I I know you did a podcast on it. Yeah. I uh, well, okay. For what it's like a two stage question because when I first heard about Tesla and what they were doing it's like well i i get it but i would never want one i like to hear the roar of a v8 or i like to shift my own gears or whatever other bullshit i you know i i threw along with it but recently for father's day i got my dad an appointment at a tesla uh boutique store Mm -hmm. and man when you experience it car guy not car guy whatever you're into they're incredible machines yeah absolutely incredible i mean no one doesn't like going fast unless of course then you don't like you know transportation in general but yeah what they're able to do is incredible and regardless of of if it's tesla that's going to be around forever um the same way that ford and gm and chrysler kind of built what we know today the fact that he he's awakened people i'm mm-hmm. gonna say i'm gonna say he elon musk even yeah. though it's a huge company yeah the fact that he's been able to awaken people to usable electric cars and the benefits and advantages over the internal combustion engine will change us forever yeah because they're they are completely incredible machines. Yeah, and uh, you know, working I work in a service uh, department uh, for a Honda dealership. I see the complexity of the internal combustion engine, mm-hmm. and I, you know, there's there's a difference in mechanical complexity and like software complexity. Software complexity, you know, you do need computer engineers, but there's just less things to go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about an engine, mechanical, like there are tons of things. It's like a watch movement compared yeah. to a quartz movement. There are a lot more factors at play there, and we've yeah. gotten really, really good at it. But is it as sustainable as something like an electric motor? I just don't think so. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think at some point, um, you know, electric vehicles are just not even reaching maturity yet. It has, mm-hmm. I think it hasn't even started. But I think at some point we're actually going to see uh, in the enthusiast market uh, for for cars, they're going to see the combustion engine in a similar way we see automatic movements. You know, you, you just kind of see it as something that's like, it's more of a romantic thing that mm-hmm. you have with your watch. You know what I mean? Like that emotional uh, connection with it. And you're like, yeah, I want to, I want to like feel the power. Whereas I think the vast majority of people when EVs do reach maturity are going to be going with the quartz equivalent because mm-hmm. it's more reliable if you're moving parts, you know, not as much maintenance. It's just more convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that insight's so important mm-hmm. because what people in the automotive industry you're going through now, some may call it a crisis. Like I know for, for my business, like if Honda makes electric cars, mechanics, you know, become computer engineers, you know, they lose all all the older guys will lose a lot of the knowledge that they've needed. But that crisis already happened in the watch industry in the seventies with quartz. Yeah. So you can kind of like look to one industry, right? Watches were Mm -hmm. something a, a lot of people owned. It's part of their daily life and something they relied on. And you can kind of, transpose that into what's happening with cars right yeah. now um but uh yeah i mean i i seriously hope tesla does well yeah with their tunneling and everything like i think that that's important yeah. you need you need this like real life tony stark figure yeah to yeah. to push people to open their eyes and, and see what we're capable of yeah um because stagnant and not develop like not developing is is obviously counterintuitive yeah so. yeah but i'm crazy excited and one thing that another another thing that kind of relates to that mm-hmm. have you guys ever messed around with carburetors i have on no. engines uh with motorcycles yeah. yeah so oh you're like are you like a motorcycle nut a little I, bit or? I, I did in the past yeah um like <laughs> in my teenage years yeah um but uh yeah so what's, what's your question my point mm-hmm. is carburetors are ridiculously you know unnecessary now that we have yeah. fuel injection mm-hmm. yeah. but there's still a fun part of 
you know, rebuilding, tuning, and, and finding problems in a carburetor. Uh, and when you get it working, that's something that you'll never get from like inputting software. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah. that that mechanic, like listening to an engine and, and tuning tuning it to run properly, mm-hmm. is something you just won't get. So, j- like we said with the watch, it's it's that emotional connection that people will crave in the future, and it's the reason why we still like classic cars and classic motorcycles. Yeah, they're they're totally defunct and mm-hmm. they're not meant for every day. But if you can use that as a hobby, it's good yeah. for the human mind mm-hmm. to just put yourself into a it's cr- it's critical thinking right yeah. the same way that we you know we just like to challenge ourselves and yeah. i think that's what it'll represent yeah but um the, the smell and the noise you can't replace yeah. that yeah yeah you know? we were actually this weekend talking because i have i have two bikes and they're both carbureted one is a vintage vespa mm-hmm. not really vintage but we won't get into that <laughs> it was it was made in in like india but it's mm. with the 1980s vespa blueprints um so it looks just like a vespa from the 80s is it a it's not a Piaggio. It's a no. It's a Stella. Stella. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're probably pretty popular in in uh, in California, I would imagine, because they actually sold mostly. mostly I don't see. I don't see any scooters. Yeah. Really? There are no yeah. scooters. Is it it's mostly? all motor motorbikes? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah. If you especially because highway riding, I think is a yeah. Exactly. reason. Yeah. Yeah. People want at least a two fifty cc. Well, there's plenty of like big scooters, but yeah. you don't see them there like you see them here. Yeah. 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 Funny story uh, about the uh, the Vespa. So. I, I bought that as my first bike because I was building a 1978 CB550. It's mm. like a, the, one of the first four-cylinder motorcycles. Doing a cafe racer? Yeah, yeah exactly. Nice. One of those guys. <laughs> uh, but that was taking so long, and I needed to go get my license. The way it works in Canada, you have like a learner's permit, mm-hmm. and then you get like a fake full license that only lasts five years. Mm-hmm. And I was at the fifth, like I was in my fifth year, and I'd never had a bike because I got it when I was 18, and my parents were super protective, so they didn't want me to get one anyway. Um so I said, okay, I got to get something that I can get my license on. And I, I want it to be cool, funky, and cheap. And this manual four-speed Vespa was Jeez. like the best option uh, for me, at least. I thought it was really cool. And I signed up for my motorcycle test. And there's a great thing here. There's a there's a college in in, uh, in Toronto that uh, it's called Hummer College. And you can sign up for a course. And at the end of the course, you do your test. When I showed up on the Vespa, I was like instantly the laughing stock of everyone. <laughs> These guys were on like yeah. big cruisers, like Aprilia oh, sport man. bikes, and yeah. then there's me showing yeah, up. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, but and it's honestly probably the coolest bike there. Oh yeah, because yeah. it was the most original. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was the funkiest, and and the instructors loved it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't until it broke down literally four times, like on oh, the way to, to 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 do the yeah. course, because you had to show up at like seven in the morning. My taillight fell out. Oh man! And oh. thank God I was driving yeah. by the dealership I work at. So I pulled in. I'm like, guys, I need I need bolts. Like yeah. there was only a few mechanics there, and we secured it again. Drove there. The clutch ended up slipping because the course through the course of the day, you're putting a lot of strain mm-hmm. on the on this bike. So the clutch cable ended up slipping. Hmm. So I'd be clutch in, come into to a light stall. So I'm like, okay. So then the French Canadian instructor and I. Mm-hmm prop the Vespa up on its center stand and we're like adjusting the clutch cable. Oh, jeez. Did all this work. Uh, the brake lights wouldn't work. And something you should really take into account, if you're ever doing a motorcycle test and someone's following you, they're probably going to give you a mic. Mm-hmm. Mics don't really work with open face helmets, which mm-hmm. you're never going to ride a Vespa without an open face helmet. Yeah. So you don't want to look I, badass with the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't... Like, I have a vintage helmet that I wear on the CB, but on the Vespa, I just look like an astronaut who's missing yeah. the flight. Like, yeah. I'm like, where's yeah. this guy going? Yeah. So I had the open face helmet. I couldn't hear a word they were saying to me, and it's one way. Yeah. So I'm yelling, like, uh, flailing my arms. Like, I don't know yeah. what you're saying. I don't know where you want me to go. So that was, uh, that was not good. But at the end of it, uh, they still gave me my license. Because I guess they saw I had heart. Yeah. And uh, then I drove it home. I went out to move it to do the oil change. 
and the clutch cable snapped. Oh man. So that was the, it, it sucked cause it snapped, but yeah. I thought, thank God that didn't happen during the test Yeah. or on the way home. It waited till I was done the Vespa. Yeah. So would you say the unreliability is the, the Indian part of it or the Italian part of it? Both. <laughs> okay. This is my theory and, and genuine scooter company. If you're listening, this is my theory. Vespa PXs were crazy popular, right? But in Italy, in the 80s, they couldn't afford to build them there. The mm-hmm. labor rates are too high. So they sublet all the work out to India, where the manufacturing was cheap and parts could be made cheaply. I think that those parts stayed there from the 80s, leftover PX parts. And someone had the great idea and said, let's repurpose these as a retro scooter in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And they sold like hotcakes for a while. There's parts of my bike that, because it's from 2012, mm-hmm. but the rubber is eroding like it was made in 1985. Yeah, yeah. So I have that. That's my theory, that it's... On the on the ownership it says 2012, but it rides and drives like it's from the 80s. Yeah. The only the only modern part is that it's a four stroke engine instead of mm-hmm. a two stroke. So that's what makes it uh, carb compliant yeah. in Canada and probably California. Yeah. yeah. Is the four stroke. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's hilarious and and I always thought about selling it, but I just can't. Like it, it, for me, it's it looks romantic, it yeah. drives romantic, and. You know, I, I romanticize a lot of things, but the the Vespa is like a one yeah. a one off type thing. Yeah, and uh, and then the CB is the opposite. The CB just scares the hell out of me. Yeah, it's totally mechanical. Uh, is that what you primarily ride? So it's, I just got it mm-hmm. running this year. Oh. So I've ridden it a few times. It still has to be plated and yeah. insured. So yeah. I just like you know tune it around mm-hmm. my neighborhood, which my neighbors hate. Yeah, yeah. but um, it's still it's not that fast though, right? It's like no, no what way. like eighty horsepower, a little less than that. I think it was like forty five. Forty five, yeah, way yeah. less. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's oh, that's that's nothing. No, yeah. it's not a fast bike, but yeah. it's the way that it gets there that mm. scares the shit out right. of me because it it's not like the Vespa you can full throttle and just like yeah it goes yeah. it's like a long a, a lot more relief blower engine yeah. but this yeah. thing is very loud uh i'll show you guys a video after yeah. i'm just not used to that acceleration mm-hmm. plus what i've done to it oh it's beautiful yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's gorgeous i wanted it to yeah. just be a showcase of the engine itself yeah. uh and, and and everything around it but that makes it very uh abusive yeah. and i ha- also have rear sets so mm-hmm. like where the linkages for the brake and the shifter are they're not actually where they're supposed to be, and that mm. makes it oh, very that difficult. Looks, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw some guy riding a cafe racer the other day. I don't know what it was. He went by too quickly, but he was his sitting sitting position was the most awkward thing yeah. ever. But he was like in the full getup, like vintage, like classic, like leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. but it looks kind of dorky because like he was like sitting like hands like this, but mm-hmm. like his was like this, and I'm like, damn, that that just looks really uncomfortable. There's something about like if you're gonna go full cafe, you have to go full out. So. If you're going to cafe a bike, cafe for people who, who don't know, it's um, sp- like you're sportifying these old bikes that were cruisers, right? They would race from cafe to cafe in England, and that's why they needed them to be as sporty as possible. Um, what makes a sport bike ride and fit like a sport bike is the fact that handlebars are nice and low, and your feet are behind your knees mm-hmm. versus a cruiser, upright position. It's like you're driving a shopping cart. Uh, and the, the Hondas from the 70s were upright shopping carts like you you know drive like that so yeah there's guys that only do half the work and they'll put the clip on handlebars down here mm-hmm. but then their legs yeah. are still up front yeah, yeah so that's you're, what he was doing. it's like you're taking yeah. a dump on the bike yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah and actually you know who did it well mikey actually sat on a triumph last weekend there's a triumph uh bobber bonneville bobber they did it really well relatively low handlebars but the the foot controls are you know they're not too far back so you're still comfortable and it, yeah, it didn't feel awkward at all. Uh, even though in the photos, it looked kind of awkward. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just, 
I, I mean, motorcycles, I think for, for anyone, any car guy kind of like the, you just kind of get into motorcycles cause they're like the ultimate yeah. performance thing. And, uh, they're terrifying as well. <laughs> yeah. in A lot of ways. Um, speaking of cars though, um, I'm always interested. Um, what would like first car? Uh, that I think says a lot about a person and, and their and their relationship with their first car. So uh, for you guys, what was what was your first car? Well, my first car is when I still drive because I lived in uh, overseas, like big cities. You don't really oh. need a car. Um, yeah. I was in Boston before LA. You definitely don't want a car there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm still I'm driving uh, Infiniti Q50. Oh wow, that's yeah. really nice. Yeah. Q50. That's the Infiniti Coupe, right? No, no. Um, sedan, sedan, sedan. Yeah, okay, but the newer ones with VQ three thirty seven. Okay, without the uh, it's dry, it's steered by wire. Yes, right? drive yeah. by wire. Yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, does it have that feature, or is that only on the high? Uh, it's mine. Doesn't mine's oh, like okay. the base, just normal electric yeah, steering. Right? Yeah. yeah, I just remember um, one of the guys from Motor Trend. I think it's Jason something. He he was saying like he took that dry that steer by wire. Yeah, which is new and only Infinity does it. Mm-hmm. And I guess in, in their other models, he took it on the track and he said it's like it sucks like he, he yeah yeah the steering wheel crank the wheels are doing their own thing because the car's trying to figure itself out but you're controlling something yeah throttle by wire is different because you're mm-hmm. just actuating a cable yeah, right? or yeah. you're actuating a throttle valve but steer by wire is, yeah. can be a little bit finicky yeah it's and, fast uh, though oh it is sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah really fast those yeah. the nissan vq series yeah. mm-hmm. are great sounding powerful v6s yeah. like it, between that and uh and honda's j series i think that they're just incredible yeah they're getting old uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was what and we said in one of our GTR. They sound broadcasts. like VQs. Yeah, like you, could, I close my eyes. Any Nissan V6, like VQ, I can, I can, I can tell you. Oh, that's a Nissan. Yeah, cool. I like just the has sound. That, has that noise, especially yeah. at startup. Yeah, has that little roar. Yeah, yeah. even my yeah. grandfather's uh, Frontier has a little bit of that rumble. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he had a Ranger before, and the Ranger sounded like absolute dog shit. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it just like like a vacuum. Hmm. Yeah. Like, but the the frontier actually has some yeah. some good noise to it. Yeah, my entire car shakes when you when you uh, start it up. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the that's like characteristic for the VQ, right? Yeah. It's like has that crazy vibration. Yeah. Or I don't know. It's like mechanical grunt. I'm not a Nissan yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yourself? I got like uh, I had a third hand like uh, the third gen TL. Oh, okay. So before Acura became shitty. Yes. So third gen TL would be what year? Two thousand six. Okay. So that was the cool one. Front wheel drive. Front wheel drive. Yeah. Before they J thirty two. Yeah. Uh, I had the five speed auto, unfortunately. Which cool. yeah. If if you like if you know TLs like third gen TLs, two thousand four to two thousand six, like a glass transmission. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of Honda V sixes back in the day with yeah. the five speed auto. So like that thing got before I bought it like it already had been replaced, mm-hmm. and then I drove it for like forty almost 50,000 miles and then the transmission died again. Did you ever think about doing a manual swap in that car? It's not worth the money. Yeah. And I the labor. Yeah, Cause like yeah. by the time like it broke, the car was worth like $3,000. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I had to scrap this. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that there's no way to like, I'm not going to do a transmission swap either. Like, like another auto rebuild. Cause like, it'll be another $3,000. Like it'll For be sure. the same amount of money as like what it's worth. Exactly. So the car got totaled essentially. And I'm like, okay, so luckily my brother at the time, um, like, uh, he was switching cars. So he, I got a hand-me-down from him, mm-hmm. which is the seventh gen Accord coupe. Okay. Yeah. So that was, it's a 2.4. Okay. Yeah. The four yeah. Speed, yeah. So obviously it's not like a, it's not like a fun car, but you know, it's, I can't complain cause it was free. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the TL was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Wes always makes fun of me because I'm like, I always say I miss that car. And he's like, I do too. Because like he always shits on the Honda because like yeah. it's like falling <laughs> I, apart on the inside. Yeah. Like every like plastic part has like disintegrated. Oh, yeah. And uh, but like it's just it's, it's a 15-year-old car. Like what do you yeah. expect? Yeah. When, when that happened to his TL, I, that's like the saddest I've ever saw him. Like in my entire, Man. all the years I've, I've, uh, I've known Colin. And uh, he recently just misplaced his Seiko Tuna. And recently, it was like eight months ago. I lost yeah, my. Yeah, it feel, feel, yeah, it yeah. feels recent. It was yeah. during like a Avalon shipping season, so there are like hundreds of watches everywhere. And yeah. then we finally finished up, and he's like, "Wait a minute, where where the fuck is my tuna?" And we couldn't, and we still can't find it. Um, We're in a package. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I, I mean, lucky chance? customer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but even then, he still wasn't as sad as when the TL died. Man, yeah, it's so. that Honda yeah. emotional yeah. connection. Yeah. Like, it's a great. I mean, like it's my first car, and then like you know, like you did, you do the stupid like teenager mods. Yeah. yeah. So like, intake, with no tune, <laughs> no 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 exhaust, no no J pipe swap, but nothing, just like you don't just, hear that just an intake. Noise. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> because you maybe even you might even lose horsepower, but like it just sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. Stupid stuff like that. Jeremy um, Clarkson on Top Gear put it uh, in in a great way, and this was when Top Gear was still Top Gear and not the Grand Tour. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, apparently the second season is good, so I have to give them a I have to give them a fair shot. But it's peacocking for a young man, mm-hmm. right? Like the car and the noise a car makes, and the yeah. noises you can make it make is yeah. how you attract the opposite sex. Like that's yeah. or, or you know whatever you're into, that's how you uh, you know you put yourself out there. It's like yeah, this is my car. Ooh. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what people do. I was uh, I was telling Mikey a story one one day. I was on the this is last year when I was tuning the bike, trying to get it ready, and I'm at a light, and you know it's just an old bike. It sounds pretty good in my opinion. It's pretty loud, and a guy in a VW Golf GTI pulls up, newer Golf, and he's with his girlfriend in the car, and I just look over because he's very close to me, so I'm like, okay, cool, and then the lights red and. Right away, clutch in. Whoa, 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 whoa. He starts doing that. I'm like, oh, don't do this. Yeah. But then I, then it, you know, became a point of pride. Oh, so no. I start cranking down on the throttle, but an old engine that's not running well. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stalled. No. Oh, man. So I'm trying to kick it over. It doesn't kick over properly because my rear sets. So I'm trying to crank it right, and then the light turns green, and he jets off. So needless to say, his girlfriend was still in love with him after that. Probably yeah. thought I looked like an idiot, but. <laughs> That's what it comes to for a young man. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. I did on my. Uh, I had my first car was an Acura CSX. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's what I did. Intake. Did a muffler. What year was that? Delete. So CS- CS- CSX was a Canadian. Yeah, only I'm model. like, hmm. what? It's a yeah. CSX. Imagine a luxury Civic. So because in Japan Civics are a lot nicer than they are stateside. Mm-hmm. So what the for some reason Acura of Canada did, they imported the J- the Japanese the JDM Civic and put the Acura badge on it. So mm-hmm. you can get an Acura um, Civic. That was like luxury, um, and it was really cool. It was really nice. What uh, engine was it? It was the detuned SI motor, so same okay. displacement, two liter VTEC, but only made a hundred and seventy something horsepower instead of the two hundred one. Yeah, it, it was enough to get it to yeah. boogie. They also had a Type S model, which was mm. a, an SI, right? It's SI engine, but with luxury things. So I mean, if back then, like I, I was lucky. I, it was a hand me down for me as well. I uh, I took over the lease for my cousin, and and it was a great car. The only downside is it was automatic, so it had paddle shifters which much to my chagrin, uh, I, I would do everything I could to make it feel manual. I was that guy who mm. at the light puts it in neutral and lets the car roll back and then put it back into drive. <laughs> Terrible for the torque converter, but that's what I was doing. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, man, like those people sometimes grow out of Hondas, but I think a lot of people grow back into them because working at a Honda deal- dealership, if you look at like the Pilot, Passport, Ridgeline, like the new vehicles, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. The Accord, they're great. And granted, you know, just like with Seiko, 
they don't Honda doesn't carry clout with it. Mm-hmm. It's just a car that's well built and will work. Yeah. yeah. And some people, you know, look for more. Uh, but I think if if you're looking for just a well built and great vehicle, Honda's kind of your, your jam. Yeah. I think my next car is a tenth gen Accord. It's just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. My my only concern is the engine, the 2.0. Like the, I, I don't know, man. I want like more power. Yeah. But yeah. honestly, like you don't really need more than that. Not in LA. So no. if you guys want, if you have time. My ninth gen Accord is out there, mm-hmm. V6 with a six speed. See, like, I miss this. I've, I miss those V6s, man. Yeah, no, oh, they're fantastic. They're so Single nice. Overhead cam that revs like they're, a dual overhead cam. It's like, so it's, nice. Yeah, they're they're incredible. Um, but I've driven the two liter. It's faster than my car. But it's, it's not exciting. Yeah, it doesn't make the noise yeah. in the same way. Um, but Honda Honda's done with V6s yeah. now, yep. right? That's that's just you know, the unfortunate reality. They should be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The one point five I'd stay away from. The yeah. one point five needs some work, and Canada especially. It's a CVT a as well, right? CVT, yeah. yeah. Um, but you get a ten speed auto in the two liter, or you can still get the two liter with the six speed. Yeah. Um, but the one point fives in Canada. This is a little bit of uh, information for our consumers out there. They're bad in the cold. Mm. The one point five is an aluminum block can't hold the heat in right in cold climates. So what happens if you're a Canadian and you have a 1.5 liter Honda, you go ahead and turn your car on and it takes like 25 minutes to warm up. So you have no heat in the winter. Mm. And as far north, like North Bay, like really north of here, there's actually been customers with their oil pans frozen solid. Mm. You know who else had to worry about oil pans freezing? The Russians in World War II. Sorry, the Germans in World War II when they invaded Russia. Like that's who had, that was the last time people had to worry about their oil pans freezing. Is that not ridiculous? (laughs) How could Honda make that happen? God damn it. Anyway. Have you driven any any of their EVs? Uh, I've driven the Clarity. Yeah. And um, There's like three are, flavors on that, right? Yeah. It's like EV, hybrid, and all electric. Or, they're, they're a little bit lost. Yeah. And really? I, ha- I had a huge like guffaw when I yeah. when I went in the Tesla because yeah. Teslas are so much better. I mean, right. To be fair, yeah. which non-EV automaker is like doing something right with EVs? The only, the only thing I can say is maybe Toyota had the popularity factor because mm-hmm. they were first. But the Nissan Leaf is more advanced than any Honda. Like, Honda doesn't have a specific EV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Clarity is a plug-in hybrid. The Insight is just a straight-up hybrid. And then I think... Um, it's pretty good-looking, though. Yeah, yeah the, the Insight's nice. Yeah. Civic yeah. with a cord styling. It's yeah. cool. Um, but the Clarity, I'm not a yeah. big fan of. No. Uh, I think when Honda does eventually make an electric car, it will be great, right? Like, look what they... They waited long for turbochargers, but mm. their turbocharged engines they were waited so really good. Long. Yeah. Ridiculously long. Yeah. Uh, but Nissan and Toyota did, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toyota doesn't even have a turbocharged engine, I don't... Oh, maybe in the new... Lexus. Lexus, yeah. And yeah. I think it trickled down into one of the Toyota SUVs at this point. I know that um, the Lexus SUVs, have, like, they've brought out new compact ones with a turbo, but I think one of the new Toyota SUVs also comes turbocharged. They're they're very slow. Like they they move at glacial speeds. You've seen the domestics again with a lot of um, influence from like foreign uh, investment, like for Chrysler. Mm. Chrysler, who the hell knows? Do you remember like the the late two thousands? What Chrysler was pumping out? You probably still see them on the side of the road in yeah. California. <laughs> Don't they have like one car now? Uh, in the lineup for th- Ford and GM axed all small cars. Yeah, yeah, mm. in North America. So you can only buy SUVs and trucks from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In in. California in Los Angeles, would you say that the majority of of vehicles are domestics, or or do you oh, see no, a lot no, more, no, a lot more foreign? Yeah, California is definitely more foreign. Yeah, and smaller cars. No, no, like big. I mean, like it's literally a huge range mm-hmm. because it's just such a diverse population and yeah. diverse geography. If you're like some people who live in, there's like obviously like the suburbs, and then there's the tight city spaces. Mm-hmm. But like you go even like Beverly Hills. 
which is like really tight, you'll just see G wagons and Range Rovers mm. and Bentaygas. And wow. I've seen a lot of uh Uruses. Uri. Oh yeah, Uri. <laughs> which are beautiful. They are really cool. Yeah. Um, They're very cool looking. You know, like we see there's a lot of nice cars there. Yeah. I mean, same as Toronto. Like there's just it's a wealthier population like yeah. on average. Um so we always see nice cars. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think domestically honestly I don't see that many. Yeah. I mean, you do see them but it's nothing compared to other parts of of the states. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Nothing I, compared to that. I think that yeah, there's a bit more um maybe like um allegiance when it comes to domestic cars in places like Texas or Detroit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Especially because they're maybe a little bit more of a truck economy. And, yep. and because of the chicken tax, which I'm not going to go through mm-hmm. now, you cannot import uh, um, a pickup truck or utility vehicle f- made in another country or mm-hmm. you pay a 25% tax on it. That's why all even like Nissan pickups, Toyota pickups, they're all made here. Yeah. In fact, on the top end Toyota pickup truck, you think this is like a Japanese automaker, they have this big thing about the ranch in Texas that it was made on. And it's like crazy. It's like, it's kind of cool. Pickup trucks are awesome. Oh, they're the best, man. They're Mikey, so much fun. Mikey has a Raptor. And oh, yeah, just no. Recently... Which, 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 uh, which year? 2018. Oh, man. Yeah. That is awesome. Which yeah. color? Magnetic gray. Oh. You can never, you can never yeah, just say the color. It's yeah. always got to be like the, the Raptors, the official of the color. Name. Raptors yeah. are yeah. the best. Oh, they're they're very it's, cool. See, we should have drove the Raptor down here. Yeah, but it doesn't fit <laughs> yeah. down here sometimes. Can't park anywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's such a great car. Like truck though. Like I see them all the time in, in Southern California. I, I just get ah. Oh. Yeah. That what what Ford has done for the for the for the pickup truck market is incredible because, my, like my dad's been a Ford guy as long as I've been alive and, and, and I've had me and Mikey have had a lot of exposure to F one fifties because you've owned an F one fifty for since forever, um, in different iterations. But what people forget, because now all the brands do it, trucks used to be just shit. Mm-hmm. Like they were good at what they did, but they the, trucks. Yeah. They, they were yeah. tool like tool watches. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. like kind of what Rolex did back in the day. They're actually tool watches. Yeah. Now it's more bling. Yeah. Just like pickup trucks. Exactly. And now yeah, but what for what it's done for pickup trucks is it's like if you're a family man you can have your minivan and your pickup truck all in one. Mm-hmm. And it's super comfortable. Like your car has massage. Does that have massage seats? No, but it has mm-hmm. ventilated seats. Mm. My dad's F-150, which is, it has the same engine as the Raptor, but it's a little bit. Uh, is it the King Ranch? It's the Limited. Oh, and it's new for 2019 with the Raptor engine. So it's like a grown-up Raptor without the wheels mm-hmm. and suspension. It's not, a, I shouldn't say grown-up. They're they're both excellent trucks. It, it's it's like. <laughs> okay. Is yeah. it a supercharged V6 or turbo? Twin turbo V6. Yeah. 2.7? Or no, that's another one. 2.5. 3.5. Yeah. Okay. The 2.7 is their entry level. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, they've, they've just killed it uh, with, with regards to, to pickup trucks and, and they've changed the economy with I, them. I still yeah. can't believe how many they sell. What's this? What's the statistic? Like, Edible. they sell more than, more. they sell a, a F-150 more often than guys think about sex. Yeah. Right. Oh, geez. They something like every six minutes, another hundred and something F one fifties are sold. Like it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And um and there was again, this is from Top Gear. I, I used to watch a lot of Top Gear when I was a kid. Uh it was like my they were like my parents. Mm-hmm. But uh no. There was there was a, t- a statistic back in the day that the F one fifty was the best selling vehicle in the world and it was only sold in North America and yeah. in, in Canada and the US. Best selling vehicle in the world, more than the Corolla, like yeah. Yeah. that's sold everywhere. It, it's because of 
it all, I think it honestly has to do with a lot of like North American excess. Like mm-hmm. every person can have an F one fifty here. I don't get it. It's like one every seven seconds or some yeah ridiculous thing like that. Like who's buying this? Fleets, yeah. people. Yeah, especially like here, mm-hmm. fleets. Yeah, in Canada, like in my subdivision, you'll see guys who don't even need a pickup truck have pickup trucks. It's become mm-hmm. a culture. I think it, it probably the same thing in Texas. I would assume, where like. Again, this is just I don't I've never been to Texas, but what I hear mm. is that's the idea of like bigger. Oh, oh no, it's all trucks. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the idea of like not even really needing it, but it's just what's comfortable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, it, it it's just the way it is, and and bigger is better. Yeah. And Ford yeah. found a way to make it profitable to sell as many as they could. Yeah. And it worked. They are so, comfy. Yeah. And you know what's really nice? The new Lincoln Navigator and the oh, avi- aviators. Yeah. Those are amazing. They did a great yeah. job. Yeah. Lincoln was in the tubes. Like we actually, we probably had a one of our first our first podcasts was shitting on Lincoln because we like to mm. do that from time to time. Yeah. Because like uh, like mm-hmm. Acura right, right now, like we'll shit on them because they're yeah. they're not coming out with anything. What yeah. the hell? It's like, a disgrace. Yeah. And even the NSX, like you follow up a great car with that, <laughs> like it's cool to look at and it's techno- technologically yeah. impressive. But the original Acura NSX was was like an actual race car. It made Ferrari turn around and say, okay, we got to go back to the drawing board. This supercar starts every yeah. morning. Is How- that your, your grail car? My dream car, yeah. Yeah. The the fixed head, uh, the, the, the pop-up headlight NSX. Yeah. So the 90s, uh, like so early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somewhere around there. It's so That's cool. my dream car, and like of all time. Yeah, the Ayrton Senna affiliation. I don't know if you guys are F1 fans or, but, uh, you know, the affiliation with, with one of the most yeah. famous and, and great drivers of all time. And just knowing like what it did, it flipped the industry on its head, mm-hmm. uh, if causing these these Italian automakers to say like, oh, like how did they do this? <laughs> they barely had to change it for mm-hmm. like yeah. fifteen years. It was really? competent because it was so good. Yeah. yeah. And if you were smart enough to go into a dealership by the, like the late the late nineties or early two thousands and say, hey man, like yeah, this X hasn't changed. Why don't you sell me one? Like you, you know, knock a knock twenty five percent off. No one's gonna buy this. And waited fifteen years when they skyrocketed in value. How much are they going for now? Like a good one. They've um they so the bubble burst, so it has come a little bit back down. But oh, you're still goodness. yeah, you're still looking at like between seventy to eighty thousand for a good one, mm-hmm. which is crazy yeah. because like it's this is we're yeah. talking now a twenty year old car. Uh, the same thing happened to the S2000. And, I mean, you um, can't find a clean one ever. No. Same no. as the Supra, same as... Yeah. What do you guys think of the new Supra, if you've seen it? I like it? how it looks. Yeah. yeah. It's aggressive. Yeah. It's interesting. Sounds phenomenal. Yeah. It's... The wheelbase is a bit short. It's so a, it's the proportions are off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's... Uh, I watched a video where they actually showed just how much of it is from BMW. Yeah, it's a lot. Everything. Everything. Yeah. The infotainment yeah. is BMW. Yeah. If you lift the hood... Says BMW on the body panels. Yep. Says BMW on the engine. Mm. Everything is BMW. But Toyota did the same thing with the FRS, mm. right? They they sublet a lot of the work for the car out to Subaru. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's how they have to competently make sports cars, it's still a good car. That's fine. Yeah, and that's yeah. what they got to do. So it is what it is. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I yeah. wish we saw more of that in the watch industry too. Actually, like collaborations. Yeah. It, yeah. It like Breitling, cool, yeah. Breitling using Tudor's in-house movement was mm-hmm. you know. A, a there are problems with the movement, but I think it's a breath of fresh air. I didn't even know that happened. And, uh, but it was more yeah. of a financial. Um, well, we don't know. Move, it it happened it? right after Breitling got bought. Um, when, by when was this? 2017, 2016. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, not two, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. got bought, and then they uh, collabed on the new Super Oceans using Tudor's in house movement. Hmm. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It you know it saves them up some money to instead of working on their own movement or maybe yeah. using another Eta movement. Yeah, um, I mean it takes so many years to do the R and D for new movement. 
mm-hmm. you know, might as well just, and both brands have pretty good cloud. I don't think they really compete with each other, mm-hmm. uh, that, that much. So no, no, there, there, there's definitely a, an aesthetic that yeah. Brightling, Brightling has. has like in its own cloud Yeah, because yeah. it's so Brightling. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the same way Toyota and BMW don't really compete with each other. Exactly. Right? So that's why yeah. that collaboration makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, when I whenever I think of Breitling, I think of like dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's yep. my my go to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a old dad watch. Yeah. yeah. It's all in the bracelet, man. The bracelet yeah. and the polishing. Yeah. 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 It's it's just fixed to a yeah. big like meat yeah. cleaver of a, of yeah. a wrist. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I see it as. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they're they're nice watches. Like uh, uh, your dad recently uh, got a, a Breitling Super Ocean Heritage. And that's probably my favorite looking Breitling because mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. very you know, timeless. The, the new one? The ceramic puzzle. Yeah. yeah. His dad has a Breitling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your dad Which, have a Breitling? Uh, <laughs> no, no. All, all dads have Breitling. Yeah. <laughs> Which color did he get? Uh, black. Cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. I thought it was blue. Maybe it was the light I saw. Yeah. It. yeah. But it's a beautiful watch. It is, yeah. Yeah. Navitimers can be a little bit chunky, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, or not chunky, a little bit lot going on. You yeah. really have to like have that aesthetic in mind. Yeah. Um, the new ones are nice. I don't know if it's I've just it's all it's kind of big though. Yeah, I think well all Breitlings are a little big. Yeah, yeah. they they don't they don't cater to smaller wrists. Um, but yeah. for me when I when I think about like and sorry to go back to this but when I think about watches, at least for my wrist like I I don't I don't have thick wrists. I want something that feels like it's a part of my wrist, not mm-hmm. sitting on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for me like this watch size is just so special. Yeah, it's between like and, and if you can make like what you guys did with the Avalon to make a larger watch fit mm-hmm. like a smaller watch is also something truly mm-hmm. special because it gives uh, someone the flexibility like my my seamaster professional because it's um like it, it, they've managed to make it very thin it's not the master chronometer movement yeah. so there's no display case back and it, it's it sits as almost as thin as this yeah, and yeah. that's super important to your daily wear mm-hmm. i tried on the newer one and while it is you know aesthetically appealing it sits like again a can of tuna is my it's also larger thing. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's seriously something special uh when you guys can make something big seem yeah. comfortable and small you have the seamaster previous to the new one right the generation you guys actually posted a photo of the blue dial version yeah. yesterday mm-hmm. so yeah, i yeah, have yeah. a black yeah. dial version of that i was gonna bring it but then i thought like you know then i gotta wear it at red bar and that yeah. one's underrated yeah yeah, yeah it was Honestly. super nice no one really talks about that one yeah but no. i think it's one of the best looking since the pre. i mean it yeah, is yeah. like Compared to not like the new one, it's like yeah. I think it's there's, a lot better. There's this big cult thing, like cult following that's, that people say like your first luxury watch should be a Seamaster because it's just like a great watch. But then there's the other side of the coin where they like depreciate so quickly, and yeah. for a lot of people, they like do. I, I bought it at a boutique, so I paid a premium for that experience, and like the minute I walked out the door, it was depreciated cra- like crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's for me, it, it's the Bond watch. Like, yeah, I think if you're if you're into for me, a lot like what I like about watches is their rugged ability and the fact that like these these ideas of masculinity, right, revolve around tool watches mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like with Paul Newman, James yeah. Bond, uh, you know, um, even Steve McQueen mm-hmm. and his affiliation with like yeah. Rolex, and I think even uh, with Tag, I mm-hmm. think uh, in, in one of the movies he was in. That's what I I like to replicate gives yeah. me like a sense of confidence and like this, mm-hmm. you know, draws back to that. So for me, that's what the Seamaster in black. Yeah. Uh, that's what that Seamaster did. Um, so that, that's why I made that, that pulled that trigger. Yeah. And I had the Hesalite speedy right beside it. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. Double the price. I can't really justify it. Yeah. Also the Canadian dollar sucks. So <laughs> yeah, everything's on sale here. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It must for, be for, nice. for us. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're in the world that we have to go to feel yeah. like everything is on sale. I don't know. <laughs> 
honestly. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, well, how much time have we have we run at this point? Hour and a half. Wow. Wow. Did yeah. time warp in here. Yeah, I know. I usually my, my back gets sore and mm-hmm. that's when I know it's been like a while. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else has back problems. Um but yeah, well I guess uh maybe we'll end it there. Do you guys yeah. have anything new coming out? Oh yeah. Mm. We do. Um so this one here, I can't show it on camera, but I can okay. talk about it. Cool, cool. It's called a duality. Um dual crown diver, internal bezel. You can take a look oh, at that. I'm um, I'm gonna I'm not gonna say anything, but I'm gonna make faces if that's cool. Um, it uses what we're calling a hybrid dial. I don't think it's been done before. Not not that I've seen. It's basically a sandwich dial with applied indices. So that lets us like really fill it with loom, get it super bright. So yeah. sandwich dial. Yeah. So it's a sandwich dial, and then above each index, we put another applied uh, silver outline. Oh, I see. Okay. So it just raises it a little bit. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And how do how do you actuate? The so they're both screw down. The okay. four o'clock one is, you know, just like the normal crown. The three mm-hmm. o'clock crown changes the time. And then the two o'clock crown, you can unscrew it to try it out. That's what okay. spins the uh, internal bezel. Man, that is so cool. Yeah, so that's, um, we're going to do an official unveil uh, October for Wind Up in New York. In partnership mm-hmm. with Barton as well again? Um, probably not this one. Um, the new retrospects that were, well, I guess the restock, um, that's going to be still with Barton. I'll look that yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm just like um, trying to cover it up and all that. That is very cool. And maybe, okay, I, I won't say anything else. We'll talk off camera. Yeah. But yeah, there's uh. And then the, uh, the other one is actually on his wrist is the, uh. Well, it's just a new color for yeah. the retrospect. It's, um. So it's a retrospect two and a half is what I'm calling it, but it's... Um, I noticed the dial color before. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, I guess we call it Salmon Sky. Yeah. It's like Cause, a Salmon Burst. Because oh, cool. the retrospect two, we had a Silver Sky. That's, so yeah, that's this, this one, is yeah. very similar, but it just has more of a pink yeah. hue. Yeah, so, so that's a Silver Sky. It sounds kind of funny, wow. Salmon Sky, yeah. but it. I think that's really what you... Yeah, it's like, When you see the color in person, you can see a... You can think of a Salmon Sky. Yeah. Or a bunch of salmon flying in the sky. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, Google salmon sky and it's exactly that color. Yeah. yeah. This is my new favorite bezel action. <laughs> I love how obnoxiously loud it is too, but in like the best yeah. way. <laughs> no, that is, that's gorgeous. Uh, and one thing I wish my contrail had was the date at six. Mm. That's, that's one thing just because everything else is so symmetrical on the watch. Mm-hmm. I wish it had the date at six, but obviously. Duly noted. I was gonna make yeah. a, a, a funny joke with the name of the new one, but anyway, yeah. uh, no, yeah, that that would be very cool. Um, yeah, no, the retrospect is such a cool piece. I love how you guys have remained consistent with the holes in the lugs. I'm gonna talk closer to the mic because yeah. that makes me not scratching up my case, even though it would be on the back. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, um, it's another one of those like enthusiast things. That, yeah, you yeah. know, and no one really pays attention to it, but. Like again, we start as enthusiasts, so yeah, these it, are tool watches. Yeah. We need functionality. Yeah, yeah, and true watch guys understand why you'd want to change your strap. Yeah, and why you'd want to try different stuff out. Yeah, and Ming was was clear with that. By sh- they were like the first ones I saw ship with mm-hmm. these um, push depressant, and I think Barton all their bands are push. Yes, yeah, yeah they are. That's yeah. attracted them to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It takes seconds instead mm-hmm. of yep. like putting on your glasses and going over your, you know, your yeah. desk and, and, yeah. and wrenching on it, yeah. which is still fun to do, but I'd rather do that when I'm cleaning the watch, not yep. when I just want to go and, and just change a strap. Yeah. Up. But, oh man, 
I've got to get my brother a retrospect and he can give this vinegar to my dad. It's <laughs> like eight foot wrists. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is gorgeous. I love the the crown sizing on the retrospect too. It's a nice yeah. it's a grippage, nice right? Yeah, yeah, easy to grip is uh yeah, that's a main main oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. I still awesome. think grippage is a fake word that you made up. It is. Yeah. <laughs> grippage. Yeah, but if I say it enough, it might make it into a dictionary somewhere. Yeah, it makes sense. We know what it we know what it means, but yeah, it's like when I turn it, I'm thinking ah. As soon as you said it, I knew what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. grippage. But if you're not two peas crown guards, I think you need something of that yeah. substantial size. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm honestly kind of excited to end the podcast and just start looking at watches and not, <laughs> not have to worry about a mic in yeah. front of me. But uh, yeah, we can get uh, get beers or food somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm down. Sure. That sounds like an awesome plan. Yeah. Sorry you guys aren't invited, but uh, yeah, we're going to continue our fun uh, our fun times with notice here. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, uh, thank you guys so much for coming out. Like, it yeah, thank been, you guys for having us. It was a lot of honor. Uh, and uh, my, my starstruckness that I had at the <laughs> beginning of the show has calmed itself a bit now. Um, not to make things weird or anything, but like you guys are kind of like watching. We're real people us. too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very glad uh, yeah. that we had this opportunity. Yeah. And uh, again, true. Thank you for coming out to Toronto, man. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we love you guys here. So. Beers on us. Let's go. You, oh my God, they're so cool. Uh, well, it's a discount for them. Yeah, yeah. it's on sale. True. So. What the yeah. hell? Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for watching. You guys know where to find us on Instagram and Spotify. Mikey usually does this part. I'm not very good at it. Um, so yeah, if you found us already, you'll know where to find us in the future. And find them on Instagram. Oh, and you can obviously yeah. Notice sure. watches. Find them on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, they have a website. And I'm telling you right now, if you're looking for a fantastic tool watch at a great uh, value price point and you want to buy from a great brand. Am I sounding cheesy doing this right now? I don't know. Anyway, their watches are great. What are your handles? Um, so the notice one is at notice watches. My personal one is at Wes underscore quack. K W O K. And mine's uh, at Cullen CH. So just our personal handles. Yeah. Wes, Cullen, thank you guys so much for coming out to the show and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you. Mm-hmm.